Lights, camera, action. Coming into this movie, we see that, um, at least from IMDb, you hadn't worked on the previous two. So the first question, were you a fan of the two beforehand coming into this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I always wanted to make movies and be a filmmaker from when I'm like two years old, <laughs> at, truly. And I was like a kid, maybe like you guys, of like, I only watched movies and I loved movies. And I grew up in an apartment in Queens next to a video store and I made it my goal of all of junior high school and high school to watch every movie in the store like in a row and sometimes they would rearrange the categories and the racks <laughs> and it would throw my entire process <laughs> out of whack um so I watched everything and I think the first I think the first Harold and Kumar probably came out when I was in high school or just in college and I loved it you know, it was subversive and I'm from the East Coast. White Castle is, you know, we used to eat there all the time and it takes place in Jersey. My parents were in Jersey when I was in college. And um, yeah, so I loved the first one. I loved the All in a Night and the, I loved how um, screwball and uh, raunchy and absurd, absurd and insane. It felt like it was like Stone or Monty Python or something. Um, so yeah, I really adored particularly the first one um yeah when i was a kid and so you know i was sort of in I, I went to college for a film and then i graduated and went to los angeles trying trying to figure out how do you like how do you make a movie like <laughs> what do you do like do i have to write one and then get someone to pay for it well let's learn how to write a movie so i was doing that well how do i make money i was also making a little short film commercials and music videos anything that I could make I was little comedy videos with friends and um and after like maybe nine years of being um broke and frustrated and uh you know just it's hard to hold on to this dream yeah. and really feeling not a lot of success or momentum finally I made one little short film that became quite popular online and suddenly all these agents were calling me. I had tried for almost a decade to get anybody to pay attention to me. Every time I made anything, I would make a DVD and mail it to everybody or put it online and send out a link to any email address I could find and no one was interested. And then I made this one short that became successful, viral. I got an agent and the agent started sending me out to meet Hollywood producers and studio execs. I was 28 and, um, and maybe a year after, and they would send you scripts, you know, you read scripts and you say, yeah, that sounds good. Let me, I'll take the meeting and I'll try to get that job. And um, over the course of the year, I did that once or twice, maybe three times and I did not get the job, but I was learning, I was learning. And finally, uh, Harold and Kumar, that this, that the Christmas script came to me and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. I like, I love those people. This is going to be a 3D, you know, 3D Christmas extravaganza. That's so subversive. I'm Jewish. That's good. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a big, 
you know, big budget, like kind of expensive movie, and we're going to really shoot it in 3D and Neil Patrick Harris, I got to get this movie. I thought I could do something really cool with it. And I went in and I, I made like a sizzle reel, you know, and a big, I had a big pitch. That reel is online. You know, you can see it on my Vimeo page. I can send it to you. And, uh, and I got the job. I got the job. And I was, uh, and it was New Line. Those guys gave me my first job. They took a big risk. And um, yeah, and I was, I think, 28 or 29, which is fucking crazy. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we were going to say, how did you go on to be the director of that? So that's, that's crazy to kind of you get that script full to you and then it, it works out wonderfully. I'm wondering, with a film where you already have the two films in place, what's it like for you as a director? Do you go in, do you try and put your own stamp on it or is the goal to kind of keep it as authentic to the first two and know that you're doing a great job with that? It was, I wanted to put my own stamp on it. Like one of the reasons why I wanted to, why I thought it would be a cool movie to make, you know, and it's a weird movie to make first because, you know, like, it's not like, um, you know, Hard Eight or Slacker, <laughs> you know, it's, it's Harold and Kumar 3, like it's a different thing. So I really wanted to try to put as much of myself, my visual sense, a sense of humor into it and what was really cool about the Harold and Kumar movies is that, um, you know, there wasn't a tremendous amount of filmmaking in the first or second one, you know? In the first one, there's an amazing tone and idea and the jokes are great and it's just such a wild roller coaster. But there's not like a huge amount of, you know, visual panache or, you know? Yeah. But I always thought those movies were like Hope and Crosby Road movies or something, you know? They're going almost from... They're going from genre to genre or from set piece to set piece. And I thought, well, that's just so cool. And I read the script and I was like, well, look, you know, there's a claymation sequence and it's a big Christmas movie. You could do Christmas. There's also a musical number and there's gang Russian gangsters. And, <laughs> you know, there's, um, there's car crashes. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of different movies in this one movie. And I thought it would be really cool to sort of, approach each set piece you know or each world you know and get a chance to make like six different movies in one movie to sort of you know put a lot of myself into it like that and that it was 3d and christmas i was thinking a lot about like william castle movies you know that william castle was like the low rent hitchcock in the <laughs> 60s he made movies like the tickler it was very gimmicky and he was a real showman like uh, barnum and bailey and, um, and, but his movies were not like, um, they were not subtle. He was a showman. It was like throw everything at the audience and get the audience involved and really trying to, you know, throw every trick in the movie as possible. I thought again, for a first time filmmaker, there was a lot of boom to, um, to kind of um, be muscular, uh, throw a million ideas in there and make a lot of movies in one movie. Nice. With um, John Cho and Cal Penn, with you going in there, were they just immediately on board with kind of every idea you put out there because so they haven't worked with you before, they've got the franchise there that they've been on a bit longer, or does it just click immediately and you go on to make the great movie that you do? No. Um, well, they were involved with the movie, obviously, and so was Neil. So the three of them were involved. And then John and Hayden, who had written the first one, invented it, you know, written the first one, 
written and directed the second one and then wrote the third one, even though, you know, the reason why I got the movie is because they wrote the third one and they were going to direct the third one, but they went off to go make an American Pie movie, American Pie Reunion. So they went off to yeah. do that. And so there was suddenly this whole movie that was ready to go. There was a, sh- a start date and the returning cast, their deals were done. And there was a script. It wasn't, you know, perfect or finished, but there was a concept and the studio had money. They were ready to go. They just needed a director. So I basically walked into a project that was about five months away from getting shot. It was like being strapped to a rocket. And so I immediately got in there and started to work on the script with friends and add a lot of those 3D ideas and just add myself into, you know, what they had already created. And then I think that Cal and John were excited to come back to do the movie. I think that there was a little bit of hazing on me, you know, they seemed to, they took turns hazing me. I think. <laughs> so sometimes Cal would be tough on me and John would be the nice guy. And sometimes John would be tough on me and Cal would be the nice guy. But I think that over time, and I was very young, but I think over time I earned their trust at least enough to see that I was trying to do something elevated and different than the last one. And once they, they got a sense of that, they got, they got excited. They were like, oh, yeah. cool. This isn't going to be like, this is going to be something new. And, and I think they also really loved the idea for this movie, which is that like, they're not friends. They're bickering a lot of the time. They're older. They're different. I think just that, which John and Hayden, you know, invented that idea of, you know, where these guys would be now. I think they loved playing those scenes, you know, being a little bit um, ornery with each other. That was fun. You think that helped, you said about getting like numerous films into one film, do you think that time difference they've had there with that little, they're that little bit older, do you think that helped with that as well? How do you so mean, obviously, with, them, with them being older? Yeah, because obviously in the second film, it obviously leads straight on from first so there isn't any time elapsed but in this one as you said they're a little bit older and they've drifted apart do you think that gave you a little bit more scope to try out different things maybe i think the 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 many different movies in one movie is more has to do with just the episodic structure of these kinds of movies you know all in a night you know we're going to go to seven different places and in the first one you know there's the drugs and the hillbilly (laughs) like you know they they still kind of do it you know but I thought that I could, um, instead of having it be like one tone or one look or, you know, I always love when shots or the camera or the filmmaker gets a laugh as well as the funny lines, you know? I was always trying to do stuff like that in this movie. I thought there were other opportunities where I could get laughs. And so things like, and all the 3D jokes were, were, were <laughs> like that, you know? Like, you know, getting a shoddy in the face and the the... There's a good thing in the um, in the car chase, you know, where debris hits the lens and the actual camera lens shatters, which is a very meta fourth wall joke. <laughs> but to me, that stuff is very clever. And you can't do that stuff in a lot of movies. But in a movie this crazy, a stoner yeah. movie, like I like smoking weed, like in a stone, I was like, oh, you, but here, not only can you do it, people are going to like love if you do a lot of that stuff. So be outrageous. So it felt very free. That's what I kind of mean. Yeah. From from a sense of actually filming it, how much more difficult is it to film in 3D? Because as far as we're aware, we just see a picture of like you filming it with a camera. Is it 
a lot more complicated. Yeah, it was harder. Like, but even before that challenge, I mean, me, I had been making movies since I was in high school and I'd even been making, you know, very little bits of money making little things, you know, having graduated university and being in, in, in California. But I had never made anything really longer than 15 minutes before. You know, I was doing so much of it alone with the camera with friends or very small and music videos and things like that. So more, so like, yeah, like shooting something in 3D was hard, but like I'd never shot anything that was longer than 15 minutes. Like the stamina of it, the crew was 200 people. Like it, it took, um, what, 40 something day. Like there were lots of challenges. I felt pretty confident about my ideas and um, jokes and images. I felt good about that stuff. But, um, but yeah, there were blind spots and it was challenging. The 3D stuff was particularly challenging because those, it was, you know, there's two cameras, not one, you know, it's kind of a whole rig and these were massive, massive and heavy things. And so for me, and you can see it in my other movies, particularly Final Girls, but, and some of my shorts, um, but like, I love moving the camera and, you know, I love doing that. I love to move the camera, really be really um, athletic with it. This was made it really hard to do it. And so the cameraman and I were always um, having conflict because I would want to, you know, move, go, we're going to push it there and do a joke with it and push in here and flip it around. And um, he would just say, no. <laughs> and I didn't know how to handle that. And maybe sometimes he was right. And sometimes he was just being a dick to a first time <laughs> filmmaker. But um, that was probably the hardest part of the 3D was how limited I was in terms of what I could do actually do with the camera so when you watch Harold Kumar I think I think you'll see a filmmaker with a million ideas um but the movie itself is weirdly static but the ideas are kind of like bleeding out of the edges of the film like all the visual effects 3d stuff you know or the music ideas are there's a million ideas in that movie but weirdly the camera is not moving so much it feels kind of classical which maybe in the end is kind of clever because I wanted it to feel like it was a warm-hearted Christmas movie, but filled with all of this obscene, godless, you know, subversive <laughs> stuff. But that the movie itself, the trick of it would be like, at the end, you would feel actually warm and emotional and it would have that Christmas spirit, really. And that would be even more subversive that it could make you be like, there could be like naked nuns and cocaine babies but that it would all feel very sweet and good-hearted. And maybe there's something good that the movie's a bit more formal, even though that the mm. content is actually outrageous. I go back and watch it on Christmas Eve each year. It's been watching for the last three, four years. And I think it, it is brilliant in that it does feel like a Christmas movie. And then you've almost got the play on all of the Christmas ideas. Like you've got the snowstorm of cocaine, you've got the Virgin Mary, you've got <laughs> all sorts in there that you sprinkle throughout and it does still bring the perfect Christmas feel through. So that worked a charm. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, like a lot of that stuff was John and Hayden, like Virgin Mary, that was all in that script and that was so Harold and Kumar voice. I think, I think like White Christmas, I think that was probably their idea, but like the idea to put like that Bing Crosby song under it, like I was, like that was the sort of tone that I was going for of like, okay, can you do like a pretty raunchy, you know, um, 
uh, you know, not exactly high class kind of a joke, you know, cocaine. But can you make it beautiful? And can you make it kind of warm and emotional, you know, sentimental almost? Can yeah, it looks very cool with this. Disgusting slow sentimental. And, and trying to always find places that you could overlap that tone felt like kind of clever. Those are my favorite parts of the movie too. Yeah, it's perfect balance. Did, is there, when there's a Christmas element to it, is there more or less pressure with that? Because obviously there's a lot of films set around Christmas. It's a, it's a big market, but then do you also feel like you can obviously, you've been able to get a lot of ideas in there? I liked it. I thought that was cool. I think it's always really helpful to have like a holiday or mm. um, a holiday or um, some familiar event kind of just as um, like a texture, like a, like a gloss to put over your movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it sort of holds it all together somehow mm. in a way, or it just gives you immediately the tone, you know, like you're like, okay, so I'm, the movie's got all these like kind of dirty, silly jokes, but we're going to give it this gloss of maturity and elegance. It's going to be a handsome movie that's got that <laughs> spirit. Like right, immediately, uh, got it. I got the tone. And you could like, so every shot is all Christmas out and it really helps to create that tone. I think if it wasn't a, if it was just, I mean, it took place on a Wednesday, you know, <laughs> in June, I think it would feel significantly, it would be harder to make it feel um, tonally unique. So I love yeah. that it was Christmas and I leaned into it really hard. It gave me the tone. You've got um, Neil Patrick Harris is in there again and contrasting the two, I guess his star power is probably a lot more come the third film than it is in the first one. Was there ever any resistance from him because it really does get pushed up a notch in this one as it does gradually throughout or does he just fully buy into it? Fully bought into it. He was amazing. <laughs> You know, he was amazing. Like, he came in, he was awesome. I think we had him for only a few days, two or three days. But there was rehearsal period before that because you had to record that song and do the choreography. And I love a musical number. And always, for me, there's a musical in everything that I make. And this is my first attempt. And, but yeah, no, he was like, let's go crazy. I, he, loved, he loved to subvert his, his um, persona. And so he worked really hard on the musical because he's, you know, a showman and incredibly athletic. So he was great about that and all of the silly jokes. He never said no. He wanted to push it farther. He had a lot of great ideas himself. You know, David, his, his husband is in the movie also. First yeah. time they worked together. He loved that. Uh, he was easy. And I remember that the shoot had been challenging. The 3D was hard and, you know, the personality, you know, it was just hard. I was first time and all of it the hazing it was just tough but when he showed up and it was like musical musical all this stuff i remember the i remember the crew and me and everyone everything lightened up for a few days and it was hilarious <laughs> you know it was just absurd and the musical was good yeah he was a beautiful part of that shoot for sure heaven and all this stuff he was um, <laughs> doing the magic trick yeah he was a blast and he had no issue doing any of that stuff he just seems to have a talent to making things like that acceptable as well. Funny just to watch. Like if it, someone else is playing it, you might second guess it. But with him, you just buy in straight away. Something about the movie I think is effective. And I, I think it's, I, you know, it's not mean spirited, these movies. No. None of them are mean spirited. But I think 
particularly the third one is really not mean spirited, even though what happens in it is fucked up. Like, you know, in a regular movie, like putting a baby through that kind of physical <laughs> danger, you know, it would not be so funny. It would be uncomfortable, but somehow here it's delightful. And Neil does some pretty shitty stuff in that movie. I mean, <laughs> there is an attempted, I mean, maybe it wouldn't work anymore these days, but you know, it's pretty racy. But something about that, because we know that he's gay and we know that he's poking yeah. fun and because the movie, it just has a good spirited nature to it. And the Christmas yeah. helps. And I think for me, I'm always worried. I don't want to be mean to anyone or make fun of anyone or go, you know, I'm happy to be outrageous and subversive and irreverent and all of that anti-authority. I like that. But um, I don't need to be mercurial, you know? And I think there's none of that in the movie, which is why we can get away with so much because it never is coming from a nasty place. And, um, and it's a magic trick. And I think that Neil obviously makes that stuff work just because of who he is. And that's what's so fun about yeah. it. As well as the familiar cast, you, you bring us some new faces. Danny Trejo being probably the standout one. How, how did that come about to get him involved? That was in my idea. Movie? I will take oh, full nice. credit for that idea. <laughs> that character was fully written to the script, but I remember just being like, again, just trying to subvert as many things as you could. The movies need it. It's so fun as an audience. And it was like, yeah, um, Harold's dad's going to be this like super intimidating, you know, Mexican dude. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I just, I remember in my, in my pitch at the, that was part of the pitch was we got to cast Machete and we got to put him in like the most disgusting Christmas sweater. And that, <laughs> and that was the idea. It was, and that you know, using some pop culture references, and yeah, obviously that face is amazing. I thought that face would be incredible in three D. And but I just thought it was funny to put a person who is that intense and scary and dangerous, you know. And he is you know, now. He's got his taco shops. He's much more mainstream now. But then a decade ago. You know, I think it was Machete and Desperado. He was still like a character actor, <laughs> crazy guy. It was less family. And, um, and he signed on. I, we sent him the picture that I photoshopped of him in a terrible Christmas sweater. And I think he got it and he was very funny on set. And I think he also like loved the idea, like Neil, of kind of inverting his public persona, poking some fun. Uh, so he got that joke. He was great. Think of the new characters, like people like Todd and Adrian. They're obviously they're Harold and Kumar's sort of new friends, and the audience could quite easily sort of distance themselves from them at the start because they kind of represent obviously those two drifting apart a little bit. But they got their own adventure in the film, and and are still really likable. How important was it to sort of keep them likable within the film? Super important. And there's a funny scene. Yeah, the best one is that it's like they each found surrogates for each other. You know, like... <laughs> no, no, not surrogates. They found... Yeah, they found mirror versions of themselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They found people who were worse than them. That was the idea. It was like Ghost of Christmas Future. So, like, Harold is a stick in the mud and he finds someone who's, like, way worse of a stick. <laughs> Kumar is pretty irresponsible and Adrian is, like, the least responsible. That And, yeah, and I love that scene when the car blows up after the car chase where they all meet they meet each other's like new boyfriends for the first time <laughs> yeah jealous and it's awkward and that yeah it's kind of like weirdly romantic but not that is very funny they love doing that also i love i like that one but um 
Yeah, making them likable was hugely important. Um, taking some of the pressure off of John and Cal to do all of the comedy was nice. And yeah. Some new characters in there. Uh, Tom Lennon, you know, I, when I was a kid, the state was like a holy grail for me. I loved watching that every day after high school. Um, and having him there was great. He was really easy and he was a great improviser and help and, you know, and help those guys. Meaning like he would improvise and those guys would sort of like, you know, follow his lead. And so there was really Bounce funny, off it. Yeah. yeah, really funny stuff that was happening naturally because of him. And he was really helpful to me also. He, he knew I was a first time filmmaker. And so when there were things that were dicey, he would kind of like, you know, help me navigate or come up with like a fix if I couldn't, you know, think on my feet in some moment of crisis. Um, Amir, who plays Adrian, was a friend of mine. I had been doing a lot of um, short films and things for College Humor, which was a website that was doing a lot of comedy stuff in New York. And Jake and Amir was like a funny internet duo, if you know those videos at all. And I thought he was great. I thought he was so funny in real life. I loved those videos. And I thought, if you can just do that character you're doing in those Jake and Amir videos in this movie, maybe like you get famous and I'll have a friend on set that's like my age and is from my world. So this is <laughs> yeah. intimidating. So if yeah. we're here, we can just like huddle up in the corner and be like, this is crazy. How did we get here? And I, I pushed to get him cast. And it was, it was hard for both of us. You know, I think he was intimidated by it. And, but it was great at work that we would have lunches together and be like, this is fucking nuts. Do they know that? <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. And, um, and he was really funny. I, there was a lot more of him in the movie. I, I like, I leaned hardcore into that character. I was like, this is so funny. <laughs> Just make it all up and do whatever you want. I would do 30 takes with him. No one was paying attention. I was like, just, just try it again. Thinking I was going to have like my Zach Galifianakis moment with Amir. Like, I was like, I'm going to break a comedic genius. <laughs> and on set, we all felt like that. And then somehow when we were screening the movie, people just wanted to be with Harold and Kumar. No one really, like they liked the thing with the new friends, but no one wanted to be with them more. No. And so both yeah. of, they had great material, but they got sort of like, you know, not diminished, but, you know, balanced with yeah. the other guys. Yeah. MPH references in there, he says, I'll see you in the fourth one or something like that. Was that in place at the time of the Christmas one, or is it just hoping for the best of that, that might happen? It was and... hoping for the, I think it was hoping yeah. for the best. And it was like those meta, those meta breaking the fourth yeah. wall jokes. It was just a funny thing. Um, I was going to say as well, you said, obviously, it being your first time as a director. How nervous were you when this eventually does get released, this, your first big film? And obviously, there's a load of pressure on it just being Harold and Kumar. So was that a big thing for you? Were you anxious to see how it did? Or did you know Harold and Kumar is going to do well? Good question. How was I? I think I was excited. I think I was just really excited to be seeing posters and... Yeah. to be going to screenings and to get to do press, you know, I, I, because I was like a kid who was like really young, like really like three, four. I wanted to, I love, love movies. I want to make movies. I like was obsessed with being a director and this was my, I directed things before, but I'd never gone on a press tour, you know, or done a Q and A, like it was not part of it or seen my name on a huge poster. And so I think that's what I remember is all of that stuff felt like they were just like, little dreams kind of coming true and it was just super exciting and i was proud of the movie like i was yeah. it was a weird thing because when it came out everyone was like hey you want to do uh 
some blah, 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 number three. I'd be like, no, no more of those. I don't want to do <laughs> or stoner fratty bro stuff. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not like that. That this movie. <laughs> so I, I tried to course correct. Everyone thought that I was different than I am. But like, I remember that opening week or weekend going to many, many theaters and watching it. And it was great because the crowd was young and everyone was stoned. <laughs> and <laughs> seeing it in 3D, which was the, you know, now when you watch the movie, you can't see it in 3D. We put so much work into all of the 3D right. shit. You can see where the shots are, at least. You can tell where the <laughs> shots are, but like in when we were doing the editing post-production, it was so much more ideas and make it perfect and wear the glasses. And there was so color correct. There was so much attention. And then people got to see it in 3D for, what, a month? But Because we me, were below 18 when it came out, so you couldn't probably to go to the cinema, cinema like that. But for me, when I would go, just the, that opening few weeks to theaters and watch stoned groups of friends <laughs> with their glasses on, watching it, like reaching out and whoa, like it was so satisfying. And I knew yeah. that it would be a limited amount, a limited experience. Like that's not going to happen again. So, yeah. you know, really milk it. Yeah, I mean, we both watched it again in the last couple of days in, in preparation for this and Brought that Christmas feel for us as, as well as uh, just just enjoying a great film. In September. So, I mean, <laughs> thank you for, for giving us your time today. I mean, yeah, we're not going to release this um, until Christmas. I've got a hat just to make it look <laughs> a bit more Christmassy at the time. But uh, thank you for giving us your time and uh, we really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for uh, being into the movie. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Cheers. See you later, guys. Bye.